Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters. Two pastors. One podcast. Here's what we're talking about today. Good morning. It is just me, Michelle Waters, today as Eric is in Disney World. He's with Matthew, our youngest, who just turned 10. And when our children turn 10, they get to go on a fun trip to Disney World. It's provided for by my my mother-in-law, excuse me, um, who usually takes the child. But um, unfortunately, with COVID and the way the world is, uh, Eric is taking Matthew to Disney World. So they are having a great time and they're coming home late tonight. I'm sure they will be exhausted. Um, I wanted to jump in just to talk a little bit about my trip to the Holy Land. We've had kind of opposite extremes of travel uh, in this month. I was obviously on a spiritual pilgrimage far across the ocean and Eric is on a, hmm, I don't know what you call Disney. They call it the most magical place on earth, but I Definitely don't call it that, Um, but my son and my husband both love it, so that's good that they're there and I'm not. (laughs) Anyways, um, the Holy Land, we came back from our pilgrimage um, just over a week ago. I cannot believe it's that short of time has passed, but um, we came back from a fabulous two weeks in both Israel and Jordan. We were about... 10 days or so, I think, in Israel and two or three days in Jordan. And the trip for me, the highlights were definitely Galilee, um, all of it. And I'll talk about that a little bit, but Jerusalem as well, of course. And then Jordan was beautiful. It was fabulous to see the countryside and to literally be driving through Jordan and having shepherds on the sides of the roads and herding their flocks, and it was a beautiful country. Um, The sites were, many of them were Roman, you know, type ruins and whatnot. And so that wasn't for me as um, powerful, but being on Mount Nebo in Jordan, where Moses looks over at the entire promised land, you know, and he's told earlier that he's not going to get to go there, but he gets to see it. And uh, that was powerful. To We got a little bit of a clear sky that day, and we got to see from Mount Nebo overlooking all of the promised land. And you can see all the way, you know, to Jerusalem, the whole bit. And so it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and we did have some weather issues on this trip. So when I said it was clear, that was, um, could have been somewhat of an anomaly for our time there. It was cold, um, much colder than... The forecast had shown for packing, so most of us did not have all the jackets and sweaters and stuff that we would have liked. I personally was cold a lot. (laughs) I'm just cold all the time anyways. And so, you know, I just basically wore the same three sweaters that I packed, light sweaters the entire time with my rain jacket over it, with a scarf, and then Sharon Shearheart, one of our um, leaders, nicely gave me this huge, um, long down coat because she wasn't using it. She had wanted something a little lighter and shorter. So I was able to also put all those layers under this huge down coat. And I literally wore it for most of the trip. Um, it was mainly forties and rain sometimes or or dampness at least. So, you know, forties and damp is cold, (laughs) very cold. Uh, it actually snowed in Jerusalem when we were there. 
And that was surprising, but the Lord really blessed us with when we needed, um, good weather, we got it. We, uh, we got to go on a boat ride on the sea of Galilee and it was warm and nice. And we also, the day we were at the Dead Sea, that's the day it snowed in Jerusalem in the morning. So we actually left to, to do the Dead Sea at a little bit of a different time than we had planned. Um, and praise God, the one and a half, maybe hours we were there, the sun came out, it warmed up to maybe 60, and four of us from the trip were able to get in to the Dead Sea. Uh, that morning, I was definitely saying there is no way I'm doing this since we were leaving in snow. But um, thankfully, I my roommate on the trip uh, was young. I had the youngest roommate on the trip, a 20-something great woman, and she was very anxious to do everything in the Holy Land. So she really kept me moving, and especially here at the Dead Sea. She was the one who was like, no, we're doing this. And so four of us did it, and it was fabulous to float in the Dead Sea. And then it was also fabulous to put our warm clothes back on afterwards. So anyways, the weather was the one thing that probably wasn't ideal. But I will say, when um, Rami, our tour guide, was telling us all about the last events of Jesus's life, and we were sitting overlooking Jerusalem, um, it was very cold. We were all freezing and he gave us, it took him probably an hour to tell us all the events of the end. And so it was really powerful because in some very small way we were suffering, right? Um, because it was the coldest time we were there. We were all frozen. And here we are hearing about all the horrible pain and agony that, that Jesus went through for us uh, in the last hours of his life. So that was powerful. But I really liked the most the natural kind of outdoor sites. Um, the Sea of Galilee has remained very uh, uncommercialized, I guess you'd call it. Um, so that was very nice just to be in that whole area, to be on the Sea of Galilee, to see all the places, the you know, where he gave the Sermon on the Mount, where he changed water into wine, all the things around that area in Galilee were fabulous. Um, but especially like when we got to go hiking or got off the sites a little bit, we, we got to do a few extra things on this trip because there were no crowds. Based on the fact that COVID is just kind of the restrictions are just being lessened and also maybe the weather, I don't know what, but it was no lines anywhere. And I know from hearing about Eric's trip, that's highly unusual. So we never had to wait for anything. And, and so we were able to do like extra things each day. One of which was go to the Valley of the Pigeons, which is also called Mount Arbel. Anyways, it's along the path that Jesus would walk from Nazareth to Magdala, where Mary Magdalene lives. Uh, and it goes right through Cana. But anyways, he used this path and it was beautiful. Um, we got to go on a little hike up to the top and it was just a great experience. I just really liked being at the places where we knew he walked and they weren't really covered by uh, another site. Like the way these uh, holy sites work is when they identify a place, you know, where either Jesus was born or where he fed the 5,000 or whatever, they um, build up churches on those spots to protect them, really, so you understand. But... Um, you know, many of them are Greek Orthodox or Byzantine, and they're very 
Mm. They're just not exactly in my style. I liked the things that were preserved in their most natural state. So anyways, it was fabulous to hike on the Valley of the Pigeons. We got to go to Engedi, which is mentioned in the Psalm several times. It The cave, we hiked up to a cave with a huge waterfall. And that is thought to be where David hid from Saul. Um, so that was an amazing, beautiful, wonderful hike. Uh, we went and overlooked the Valley of the Shadow of the Death, which is the, the, that particular valley is just the bottom of a canyon and it doesn't really get any sunlight. So it's literally dark almost all the time, except maybe when the sun is exactly over it, right? And, you know, we know obviously David talked about that in Psalm 23, but also that's where um, the Good Samaritan story takes place. And you could just look at it and just see how scary it would have been to stop and help someone at that time, why people did pass him by and didn't help him because there were it was dark and scary and there were bad people around hiding in caves. So those kind of natural sites were really powerful to me. And especially I would say the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, it's a beautiful garden that has little walking trails in it now. And then the olive trees that are there, many of them have been there even since the time of Jesus, which is phenomenal and amazing. And uh, Sharon showed me the place where Eric prayed in there. We're given like a half an hour to spend in the Garden of Gethsemane and to just sit and be quiet and pray. And she showed me where he went and did that. So I went to the same spot and that was really special to me and, and really powerful time of worship and prayer in the actual garden where, you know, Jesus asked the Lord if this was really going to have to happen, right? If the cup could be taken from him or if he was going to have to go through with this. And so that was a really special time. And then finally, going to the temple and the Western Wall in Jerusalem was probably the next most powerful thing to me. Um, throughout the trip, we had seen quite a few like Orthodox and Hasidic Jews. On our airplane going out, um, I sat beside a young uh, Hasidic couple from Montreal, and then right behind me was a mother and child uh, from a mother and daughter who live in New Jersey. And uh, both were very interested in telling me all about um, their faith and their Judaism. And it was just very, obviously they eat different things because the stewardesses bring them, you know, kosher foods. They were dressed in the typical garb. Their husbands or the, the men on the plane were and the wives as well, wearing the long black skirts and the black tights, etc. cetera. Um, and then at sunrise, all the Hasidic men on the plane got up and congregated sort of in one of the galleys and had their prayer. And they all like went up in their top, um, in the overhead compartments, got out their prayer shawls, put them on, got all the, all the stuff they needed. And it was just very powerful to see, you know, you see why God in the old Testament gives them all these laws to set them apart, the Jews and to make them different. And this was very, very obvious on the airplane. And also when we were at the Western wall, um, you know, there's a women's section and a men's section. And so we went over to the women's section, or I did with, with the women on the group. And to see all these young women 
and they were very young. I don't know if this was like after school time and they all come. I really don't understand all the traditions, but they were like teenagers and young 20s was the majority of, of the women there, uh, all dressed very similarly, all with their faces literally planted in um, the Torah and doing these, they kind of, as they pray, their face is literally in the book and they're kind of um, bobbing their head up and down, I guess I should say. So, um, one of our guides told us that it's a way of worshiping with the entire body, getting the entire body involved. But even more dramatic to me was the fact that after they were done, they could not turn their back on the wall. Okay, the temple. As you know, you know they believe that God resides in a place and so they wouldn't, they couldn't turn their back on that. So they would back up to leave. So again, this is all just very stark, very set apart, very different. And it was just so interesting. I don't know. It really challenged me because as Christians, we also need to be set apart, but we're set apart spiritually. And you have to ask like, okay, how do we look different in the world? Do we radiate the things that we've been given to set us apart, which are, again, the the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, all the things. It's harder, I think, to make those things stand out than it is, for instance, clothing or a way you walk away from a wall or something, right? Those are very obvious. But as I was reading, it was amazing, as God does, He, I was, I've been reading most of the Gospels during the trip and as I've come home, just kind of looping through them to get the stories in for the Holy Land. Um, In Matthew 12, that day when I was pondering this, I read uh, Jesus talking about how he was healing on a Sabbath. And he says, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. And I think that's the actual key for us. Like, you know, we don't worship a temple. We worship a, a person and we're in relationship with a person and it's Jesus and he is the new temple. It's just a very powerful reminder that that our God lives and breathes and he lives and breathes in us through his Holy Spirit and we don't have to go to a specific place or treat a specific thing in in that way but God lives in us and the way that we are set apart is by sort of manifesting that spirit that lives in us out into the world. And I think that's beautiful. And I'm so glad that the Lord reminded me of that through Matthew 12. Well, I think that's all I'll say for now about the Holy Land pilgrimage. But we are about halfway, if not a little bit more, um, through Lent. So I hope and pray that your Lenten disciplines are going well, if that's something that you do. And I look forward to getting back on the podcast with Eric. It goes much better when I have somebody to talk to, but we look forward to getting back on soon.